Good morning. You're listening to 88.7 FM Radio Hofstra University, broadcasting live from the Richard Philip Cavalera Studio South. Welcome to the Thursday edition of Hofstra's Morning Wake Up Call, where we talk with where we're talking Long Island life, national news, and international issues. I'm your producer, Danny DiCrescenzo, joined by Becca Williams. Today, we'll be discussing the incredible ratings of Fox News, Hurricane Ida, the latest data on hate crimes in the United States, and much more. Becca, it's our first show of the semester. How are you feeling? I know. I'm so excited. Me and Danny have never done a show together. We have. No, we haven't. Yeah, we, yeah you guest hosted for Blaze. Okay, that, that doesn't count. <laughs> not, a, not a full show together. We haven't. And we also have a new person in studio as well. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, hello. It's Fariha. What's up, everybody? (laughs) Fariha is our reporter for this morning's show, and we're very happy to have her on. Oh, we're so excited to get into her report on entertainment later on in the broadcast. I am, I'm thrilled. I, (laughs) I did summer morning show. I was a host in the spring, and now I'm producing Ah, I'm so excited. <laughs> Danny looks very excited. I wish that everyone at home could see his face right now. You can't, see it. You can't see it under the mask, but I'm smiling from ear to ear. You have no, I can tell. Yeah, I, <laughs> I am just thrilled. Well, we have so much, much to cover this show, and I think we have a really good story to start. This is something... I. Obviously, there's a lot going on in the news that's very prominent right now, but I was like, what's a little low-key? What can we look for? What can we talk about that's not really jumping out and Mm. this was a story i thought man this is not being talked about a lot so of the top 100 cable telecasts in august fox news had 94 of them in a new report by nielsen the group that does the ratings we all know those and nielsen ratings out of the top 100 rated telecasts in the month of august fox news was hosted 94 tucker carlson tonight and hannity led the way for the network each averaging north of three million viewers with Tucker's show claiming the top spot among cable news programs, which has been the case for a while, actually. Notably, Fox News' audience during the primetime slot of 2.5 million was was more than double of its competitor MSNBC's 1.2 million. So, Becca, I'm going to give you the first crack at this. What do you think? Thank you. So, first I read this, and I was thinking to myself, like, why is this so important? And this is what I... I started, my mind started going in the direction of, you know, Fox News. Everybody knows the name. It's a household name and it's so trusted among a large percentage of Americans. And I did a little research. There's a poll done by Pew Research. It shows that Fox News is the most trusted network among Republicans. And during the 2020 election, six in 10 Republicans said they received their political news from Fox. So, It's really important for us to pay attention to what Fox News is broadcasting, whether you are a Republican or not a Republican, because this is where a lot of people are getting their political information from. Exactly. And right wing media in general is in a golden age. And Fox News is the King Midas of that golden age. Ever since the Afghanistan crisis, especially, it's been wall to wall coverage of the largest blunder of the Biden presidency, because obviously they're not stupid. The, med- the midterms are coming up and the right-wing media machine is going to pump every ounce of milk it can into the Joe Biden, the anti-Joe Biden campaign. And I'm not surprised Fox News had an incredible month with everything that was going on. And Tucker Carlson has always been at the top of cable ever, ever since he took over Bill O'Reilly's slot. He was basically O'Reilly's handpicked successor with the network. And in the past, he endorsed conspiracy theories saying that Dr. Anthony Fauci created COVID-19 And he also espoused white supremacist views, saying that immigrants make the U.S. poorer and dirtier. He's the most watched man in America right now. 
that makes me a little that makes me shudder a little bit thinking about all the controversies he's found himself in and the fact that the network openly aligns itself with that brash conservative nationalism that Trump espoused when he was running and when he was president and it's just absolutely dominating all of its center left competition it it's it's, a, it's i think it's a, one of the symptoms of what we've seen in the United States with democratic backsliding we've seen the endorsement of this nationalism that is etching away at democratic norms and media is a big part of that the fact that it's so unbalanced that there's basically one conservative juggernaut that outweighs all it's i'm not going to say every other outlet is perfect but the more centrally oriented outlets that's something that is very notable to me with this report yeah absolutely and i think trump's presidency also played a large part in it because he created this distrust of a lot of other media and really endorsed fox even though at some points he also said you know yeah, fox distrust yes Arizona. but but the way that they were i think like covering trump and his presidency and the way that he was so against more left-wing media more so than fox i think that that pushed more people to trust fox so a lot of people just Pay, like take the news at face value and don't really look into it anymore. So what you said about what Tucker Carlson has been saying about like the conspiracy theories and all that stuff, a lot of people that watch that and believe him and you know trust him with their news, they might not look further into it. But here's the thing. Fox News is really a misnomer because if you look at the two shows that lead the way, they're not news shows. They're punditry. But, they, but they're spreading but, news-like yeah, information. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's structured. Because if you... I've, I've watched my fair share of Fox News, and the way they do it is when they do something at the bottom, they have the breaking news alert, but it's usually just a talking point that Tucker is going through with his opinion. So it says Tucker Carlson, quote, whatever he's saying, and that's the breaking news alert. The, it, they do that for a reason, because they're trying to push their narrative as the only narrative. Usually news makes a very clear distinction between opinion and just the straight news. Fox News kind of blurs that line a little bit intentionally in its graphics. And as you, going back to your point about Trump denouncing Fox on several occasions, he has. If you remember, I said Arizona earlier, and I remember that was a big thing. I think we all remember Hofstra votes live, Becca. That was um, <laughs> that was quite the story here when we were we were thinking about oh, we're we going to call Arizona. And Fox News of all places jumped to the conclusion that Biden won it, and Trump obviously went off on them on that night. So. It's been a little bit of a love-hate relationship. Have you seen like one news network, and one American news network and Newsmax jump out into the conservative media verse? But I mean, Fox News is Fox News. It's the fourth in the big four of news network networks with ABC, NBC, and um, CBS. It's still it's still it still reigns supreme, and it's clearly dominating all of them. Yeah, I'm really I'm actually curious to see what the other ones of the top 100 were. Like out of the other six, yeah. who those it didn't were? Say, it didn't say because it was all about Fox. But what I will tell you is that if you look at CNN, the typical juxtaposition to Fox, it didn't even crack one million viewers in prime time. It was only around eight eight hundred thousand. So if you want to talk about what per, what portions of people are watching conservative news versus liberal news, I mean it's always been a trend that right wing media has always been more organized. I mean you think back to the '90s, Rush Limbaugh was really the a forerunner that he was the quintessential conservative talk show radio host and then his influence blossomed into what we now know as the conservative media verse now liberal news has never had that so it doesn't surprise me that fox news really reigns supreme right now and 
I think as we only get closer to the midterms, there's going to be more. There's going to be more news to talk about with Biden's presidency that Fox News is going to take a hard line against, because even when, even though they suffered declines from election season, when obviously everyone due to the pandemic was glued to their TV, I think they're going to ramp up even further, considering that the midterms aren't that far away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think, Danny, that there's anything that these other orgs like could be doing to make themselves more popular? No, because. <laughs> A lot of the no chance. a lot of the center left outlets. Mm-hmm. I think CNN is the really the one that's more unabashedly liberal. But CBS, um, some people say, I think NBC is more center than people give it credit for, and ABC, which is the one I always grew up watching. My family, I think ABC actually does the best job. Maybe I'm just biased because I grew up with it. <laughs> but they are going to not really change because. Their news segments aren't structured like what Fox has. They don't have the Fox personalities. I mean, if you think great liberal personalities, you think Rachel Maddow, but she isn't nearly the star that Tucker is or Hannity is. And you think Chris Cuomo, but we all know why he doesn't really fit the bill anymore. So they don't have the pers- they don't have the star power, and other news outlets don't have the sh- don't have the structure that Fox has with all of their different shows. I mean. Fox is so on top, they can try out their little Gutfeld experiment. Remember that? Yes. That was <laughs> funny in its own way. <laughs> but other news outlets really can't do that because they're more structured towards the 7 o'clock news, the local news. Fox really doesn't do local news. They're really all national, and they focus on their, their personality. So that's why they're not going to be able to compete in the future. And when you talk about... And because think about it, Fox really has cornered the market on the conservative side. Yeah, definitely. So whatever they talk about on the conservative end, the other networks have to report from Fox, basically. Fox is the messenger for the other networks when it comes to what they deem worthy to cover. Mm -hmm. Because news media is basically the gatekeeper of what's important. If something happens, the media decides to report on it. Maybe one outlet doesn't, the other one does. And then if the other one does so much, the other one has to pick up on it at some point. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fox News definitely does have a lot of, like, really well-known people, and I don't even watch Fox News that much, and I still know who, you know, a lot of the people are that they have their shows on, just because they're so popular, even just outside of Fox News. Like, I wouldn't even call them, like, um, solely conservatively news, like, based popular. They're just, like, popular in media in general. Yeah, they they exist as personalities that transcend fox news mm-hmm. i mean sean hannity's radio tucker carlson had his own show that was in his basement i thought for a while i mean these people are bigger than the sum of their network and that's what carries fox news because tucker carlson especially not even though hannity and trump are like best friends tucker is the guy who really puts the network on his back because he is the most watched man in America, as I said. And his base, his audience is devoted. Three million in prime time? Like, that's insane for a cable news broadcast. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. He dominates cable. Yeah, he, it's, it's his medium at this point. And he has cornered, like I said, Fox has cornered the market. He has cornered his own market in terms of attracting a crowd. And yeah. you see all the reports that, oh, what Tucker, you always hear what what he said, because a lot of what he says is very, I don't want to say outlandish, but it's certainly inflammatory. But that's what he thrives on. That's how he gets even more popular, because people go, what? He said that? 
<laughs> Any publicity is good publicity. Yeah, I was about to say, even if it's, you know, shocking and bad, it still gets his name out there. I, I am wondering, like, who, what the age group is for these people that are watching. Like, I always think about that now. Is this older people, millennials that are kind of watching this, or is it more our age group, college students? Because I feel like our age group, 18 to like 22, don't really watch the news as much, like television news. I feel like we more so get our news off of Twitter or off of like um, the internet in general, like going on websites of news sites. But as far as watching TV news, I don't feel like that's as popular with our age group. So I'm really curious to see like what who is mainly supporting Fox it, News in this? It doesn't. Say, I don't know why this article doesn't say, but what I do think as we wrap this up, I do think a lot of older people are probably watching Tucker, and I do think he has his fair share of people in not so much college students, but maybe a little bit older, like young twenties, because there are a lot of people who watch him. That I mean, obviously. There are people who don't want to say they don't, they watch him because of the whole <laughs> yeah. things that he says. Some people are a little more hesitant to say that. And th- the one thing I will add is that he makes those points extreme, not extreme. He makes those points mainstream by saying them so much to the point where they have entered the mainstream political discourse. That's the pa- that's the magic of what he does. He's able to hammer away at a point so often and so frequently that it enters the mainstream because we have to address it. Yeah. It's like you sue somebody. It's like this is a weird story, but the ch- okay. So the ch- you know the Church of Scientology. Yes, they, I'm familiar. They lost their tax ex- tax exempt status in the 1970s, and until the 90s when they got it back, they would sue the government from basically everywhere you could think of. They would sue the IRS from Alaska, and the <laughs> IRS would be required to respond to it. They had over 2,000 lawsuits active before they were given their tax exempt status back. So. Tucker is a lot like that, where the mainstream media, he says so many things that require attention that we're obligated to discuss what he said. And then what he says enter the mainstream because a lot of America believes what he says. And that's what makes Fox News so powerful. It's able to hijack the mainstream. Well, he definitely knows what he's doing, especially to be, like, the most listened to man in America. I mean, he wanted that status. I assume he wanted that status. I think everybody kind of does want that status. So, he, I mean, obviously what he's doing is working, and I'm sure he's perfected it over the many years that he's been working in broadcast. Of course, and I think this trend will not change. He has been been at the top for a long time, and I think especially with the midterms arriving, he will be at the top for a long time. But we're moving on from TV, and we're going... Over to movies with Fariha's report on Shang-Chi. Fariha, do you want to give us the breakdown? Yes, I'm super excited about this. On Friday, September 3rd, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings will hit theaters, giving the Marvel Cinematic Universe the first ever Asian-American superhero to make it to the big screen. With the notorious lack of Asian representation in TV and film, the anticipation of an Asian lead in the Marvel franchise has Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders worldwide eager to support the film that looks to add a new dimension to Marvel's lineup. Much of the excitement around the film echoes of that Marvel's previous film, Black Panther, starring Chadwick Boseman and featuring a primarily black cast which was heralded as a cultural phenomenon. CNN reported that director Dustin Daniel 
has created GoFundMe pages for hundreds of Asian American families to watch the movie for free during opening week. Brian Chen, president of the Coalition of Asian Pacifics in Entertainment and Gold House, a nonprofit that consults with Hollywood studios on behalf of Asian Americans in Entertainment, said in a CNN business interview that if we can if we can show that we can actually hold our own ground opening weekend through the biggest film franchise in the world, that is going to unlock other opportunities in other major franchises, as well as independent films for AAPIs to lead. Simu Liu, who the actor who portrays the leading role, Shang-Chi, has been very vocal about the need for AAPI representation since being cast. In an interview with Variety, he said he is looking forward to the day when we don't have to celebrate first anymore. In 2020, there has been several notable strides in AAPI representation in film and TV with Minari, Parasite, Raya, and The Last Dragon, and Mulan being prominent examples. Aside from its its theatrical release, the movie will also be available on Disney Plus in early October. Since Disney Plus has been facing severe backlash and widely reported lawsuits from Scarlett Johansson due to them previously releasing films both in theaters and on streaming platforms at the same time, Disney is now integrating, integrating a 45-day grace period of any films being released in theaters to be available on the streaming platform afterwards. This means that unlike its MCU predecessor Black Widow, Marvel fans will have to return to the cinemas to get the first look at the latest Marvel story. As a, relo- as a result of this shift, the film has garnished bullish a- estimates for its exclusive launch in theaters during Labor Day weekend, with estimate reports by deadline putting the film as high grossing as $90 million. Due to its buzz for its heavy focus on AAPI story, Industry watchers also estimate that the film could contend and hold that number one spot in the U.S. for as many as three weeks. Reporting for Morning Wake Up Call, I'm Faria Hussein. Thank you so much, Faria. Um, I, as an MCU stan, am so excited for Sean Shi because I think the MCU has done a good job. I mean, we all remember Black Panther. It was such a cultural phenomenon. And, and so popular, too. I know, yeah. Everyone and loves it. And it's a really powerful movie i love the way they did certain things in the movie like the villain killmonger with michael b jordan who killed it and of course the legendary chadwick boseman yes and i think this is going to be the aapi version of black panther because just the buzz around a new story featuring a diverse cast that's something that's always going to grab attention and the fact that it's being as Freya mentioned, integrated into what is the largest and most popular film franchise in the world with the likes of Iron Man, Spider-Man, Thor. That is going to do wonders for representation on the big screen because this is really, this is really, you know, it's superheroes. What's bigger than superheroes in movies yeah, right now? True. It's it's a little disappointing that this is our first ever Asian American superhero right. and it, we're in 2021. But the good thing is that, you know, people that are, just being born or growing up now very young they'll have someone that they can look to that maybe represents them a little bit better in media so at least you know the new generation will have something like that that they can grow up with yeah and i i grew up in a very i grew up in a place that was basically 99 percent white and it wasn't very diverse 
I knew one or two minority friends tops growing up. And I, as I got into adulthood and met people who were different, who were from different ethnicities than me, I got, to, I, I was finally able to appreciate cultural diversity because I was never around it before. And I think that Shang-Chi and Black Panther, they're examples of showing, and I think the, what the president of the um, group that talks with Hollywood said it best when he said that, you know, this can show that AAPIs can be profitable and be, and tell good stories and enter the mainstream. And I, I am so excited for this movie, not only because I'm a Marvel fan, but also because I think it's, it's long overdue, as you said. It's long overdue. Yeah. Well, it's coming out this weekend, right, Freha? Yeah, I'm yeah. super excited. I remember being in theaters for Black Panther and then hearing the screams in the audience. I'm, I cannot wait to feel that again. <laughs> I'm so yeah. excited. This will be a good one to be able to go back to theaters for. I haven't been back to a movie theater since COVID. Really? I don't know if you guys have. I've been, um, I saw a bunch of movies. I saw Free Guy. I saw Black Widow. I saw Quiet Place 2. I saw, and I saw Suicide Squad, which Suicide Squad, side note. I haven't seen it. It is in my top five favorite movies of all time. Oh, wow. It is so good. Really? It I is, need to watch it. it. It almost made me cry. <laughs> it almost made me cry. No, it almost made me cry. I, it really was James Gunn at his best. And I can't wait for the next superhero movie with Shang-Chi. I'm definitely going <laughs> to. I wish I was still home my friend because me and my friend always go to the movies together. And this would, this would have been our next one. So. I mean, I'll probably see it on Disney Plus at some point. Yeah. Well, if it ever comes out, I've been waiting for Cruella because it's out on Disney Plus, but you have to pay like $30 yeah. for it. It's free now. Okay. Yes. Finally, I need to go watch it. I'm really excited for that one too. But yeah, I, I love Disney Plus. I like that they're like putting stuff on there for us to watch. Like, um, like Black Widow is on there. Like you said, you watched yeah. that one. Although that one is obviously after yeah. a long <laughs> legal battle. <laughs> no, I think that is a cautionary tale for these movie studios that you don't want to diminish box office profits, especially when you have big name stars, because then they just get mad. They're like, Oh, yeah. well, you know, you have it on the streaming platform. Why are we not getting the cut? You know, and that, and that's obviously why you mentioned free on the report, 45 day grace period, because studios now got to know they got to maximize the box office money first, because that's what really is happening. And that's just one of the ways the movie industry is changing. Yeah, especially since COVID and not that many people, well, no people were going to movie theaters and there was no way for people to profit like that before, uh, before like a few months ago when they reopened theaters. So obviously that is a big deal for people that can be getting, you know, gypped a little bit after yeah. already struggling for a while. Even though I don't think Scarlett Johansson is struggling. I'm sure yeah. she's doing fine, but... It's more, <laughs> it's more of a contract thing. Yeah. I don't think they totally robbed her bank account i think it's just the contract she signed about the movie that was a little discrepant there was some discrepancies mm -hmm. but yeah i think i just i can't say enough about how excited i am for this i think i said it like four times five times <laughs> i'm repeating myself i'm excited too almost as excited as luca did you guys watch luca no that was amazing. <gasps> you that watched was it so amazing i almost i bawled my tears out yeah me too in my bed. <laughs> Crazy. You have to watch. It's on Disney Plus. I know. I will. I saw that meme. It was like Luca makes me wish Italian people were real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm right here. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, wow. People are actually gonna stop making fun of Italians now. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, a man can dream. A man can dream. <laughs> 
No, Luca was really, really good. Um, I know there's like the controversy where some people are like, no, this is gay representation. And some people are like, no, it's not. It's just a movie. So there's like, you know, a little bit of disagreement there. I think I feel like it's really up to how you interpret it personally. But I really liked it. They were mermaids. Love a good mermaid. Yeah. Yes. It was very enjoyable. Yeah. When I was a kid, little uh, Ariel's my favorite Disney princess. Oh. I love Ariel. She still is. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, I don't want to get into a Disney princess discussion, but if you're going to say who your favorite is, I feel like I should say, did you guys watch Hercules? You guys know that yeah. movie? Yes. Meg in Hercules wow. is my favorite. Yeah, Hercules is like mood. one of my favorite movies. It has the best music. Oh, yeah. It's so good. And I count her as a Disney princess. I think it's she's more of it on the debate. No, more she like counts. Gray area. I guess I, I would count her too because I love her. Hercules is my third favorite <laughs> Disney movie. I love that you have like a list. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. oh, I, I have a whole list. My favorite Disney movie is Enchanted, actually. <gasps> oh, that's a good one. What about you, Freya? What's your favorite Disney movie and Disney princess? Oh, Disney movie. That's gonna be incredibles i just oh that's a good one superheroes since i was a little girl like i'm a diehard marvel fan so you know that says a lot about me reporting about shang chi <laughs> um but my ba- my favorite princess would be Belle, just because she's so independent yeah, and yeah then she's a, a daddy's girl and i'm i'm a daddy's girl so <laughs> i relate so yeah her dad is really cute in that movie yeah he's such a sweet little old man she's a genius and i remember a genius yeah, that sounds like there's a book there's no pictures <laughs> man could not grasp the fact that books don't need pictures to oh be good oh my god yeah well freya thank you so much for that report um if you ever want to chime into our later discussions on the show feel free to just let me know and i'll turn your mic on for you absolutely all right so we're moving on to i think what a lot of people are aware of because I certainly couldn't sleep and what a night not to sleep because I had to wake up at 645 <laughs> to set up this show. Yes. Hurricane Ida. Ida was all over the place. Becca, you want to <laughs> give us this? Yeah, I'm actually glad we're talking about this this morning because like Danny mentioned, last night was a little crazy in Long Island. Uh, if you're not in the area currently, it was very strong winds, a lot of rain. Uh, and I also could not get any sleep last night because all I heard was it pounding on my window and the lightning and the thunder. It was insane. So Hurricane Ida, it's already affected millions of people in Louisiana, leaving a large majority of them without power in lots of communities. Ida also touched down in the state twice, not only just once. Uh, it touched down once before noon and another time two hours later. So Louisiana has been hit multiple times. Three people have died so far in the state. The hurricane did not stop in Louisiana. It also caused a highway to collapse in Mississippi, killing four people, as well as also hitting our area and now moving downwards towards Tennessee, Ohio, and the Mid-Atlantic. It's been labeled a Category 4 hurricane with maximum winds of 150 miles per hour. I mean, if you had to pick a state to take a hurricane at this point, I think Louisiana, with its levied sections of certain cities... That's a good contender because of Katrina, obviously. Yeah, but Louisiana needs a break. I know they do, no, and they do need so a break. Many times. Ida caused immense damage and has wrecked communities, some permanently. And here's the thing at this point in the year, usually there are six named storms. This year, there are 12, twice the average. Climate volatility is at 
I don't know, an all-time high? How long have we been saying that, right? Yeah. And we're not even at the peak of hurricane season, which usually starts at September 10th or September 2nd. And let's not forget that a natural disaster in a state with a terrible vaccination rate will surely be an impetus for another COVID-19 outbreak. So, yeah, Louisiana needs a break. Yeah. (laughs) We've already seen 12 named storms, Mm -hmm. and there are possibly more on the way. There's a lot of them in the Atlantic right now that are, quote-unquote, unorganized, according to uh, meteorologists. But you never know if something just can pick up steam and then we get the next one. I think I heard something about Henry. I don't know. No, that was before Henri. Well, there's something out there that could happen mm-hmm. if it does, if all the pieces come together. But I, I just can't believe that there's 12 already and we're usually at six at this point. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned COVID and the vaccination rate in Louisiana. This is slightly different to my point, but Louisiana hospitals are struggling. They were already hit hard during COVID, and now they're being evacuated due to physical damage, water, and electricity issues. And so this is where a lot of people are are getting hurt during the hurricane, whether that's um, by, you know, almost drowning or being, uh, having something collapse on them or getting stuck somewhere or any sort of thing, or being affected by COVID and being sick. Uh, a lot of hospitals are not open for them and they don't really have anywhere to go because they're being evacuated because they are flooded. If you, if any of you guys have seen the pictures of Louisiana right now, it's, uh, it's, I wish I could show pictures, but it's just flooded. Like there's just water yeah. everywhere. It's really crazy. Yeah. And I, I have a couple of friends that go to school in central Jersey mm-hmm. and their dorm flooded. Wow. They sent me videos of their entire basement, like the lounge area, just underwater. And this is in New Jersey. Yeah. If, you, if that's bad, imagine Louisiana. Just, I saw several hospitals were just destroyed. So they don't even have hospitals to go to some communities, which is awful. Man, yeah. I just, when are we going to get a break? <laughs> I remember the first, one of the first things I did when I got back was I talked about Henri yeah. for the station. And now I'm talking about Ida. So, and I'm sure we'll be talking about another one in a couple of months. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, what am I, the hurricane guy now? I just <laughs> talk about hurricanes. You're our weather expert. Yeah. No, that's Bruce. Bruce <laughs> I was literally what? about to say Bruce 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no one's Bruce 2.0. He's the OG. Freya, do you have any thoughts on Ida? Yeah. Honestly, the a few weeks ago when I think it was Hurricane Henry happening, and the city usually doesn't flood, but I was wa- looking at videos and the train stations were completely submerged in water and people were still going down the stairs and taking the subway and i was just like what Only is in New going York. on <laughs> yes i remember seeing those videos people were like uh rolling up their pants or holding up their dresses and holding their shoes in their hand and just like walking yeah i, I showed like, that to my dad cuz he he works for the MTA. He goes, wow. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty shocked, too. That's dedication. Dedication for public transit. But- yeah. And even though Hurricane Ida might not be the most deadly hurricane with the most, uh, you know, citizen death toll underneath it, but it is causing a lot of damage. It's estimated, according to the Wall Street Journal, that the damage from Hurricane Ida could cause more than $15 billion in insured loss which is a lot more money than I've ever thought of. So um, that's also a big concern because Louisiana was just not recently, but fairly recently rebuilt from the other hurricanes that they have suffered from. And now they're facing another one and they're going to have to deal with more 
uh, loss and rebuilding, and it's really going to mess with the economy down there, especially when they're trying to come back from COVID already. There's been 18 water system outages. It's impacted over 312,000 citizens. And there's also heat advisories out in Louisiana right now because they don't have access to electricity or air conditioning because a lot of that is out as well because of the flooding. So they're really struggling down there. Ida is definitely, uh, you know, rampaging the area. Yeah, and they're going to need generators too. Mm -hmm. They're going to need that sort of thing because... And here's the thing. A lot of the places that would sell generators probably aren't operational right now, or they're probably on generators. I remember there was a minor tropical storm, and the, I worked at Lowe's the day after. All we sold was generators. That was all we sold. And to think, oh, it was not even a second thought. We can just go to Lowe's and get a generator. Yeah. These people don't have that option. They're stuck. They're stuck in the dark if they can't get to a hardware store. That's something that really resonates with me because – they can't do anything. All their food's going to go bad. Mm-hmm. They can't see. There's probably water all over the place in their house. They can't power vacuums to suck it out. So it's a, I hate to say this, a perfect storm of every bad possible infrastructure failure. And yeah. you have the pandemic on top of it. Yeah, this is literally just one hit after the other after the other. Um But I am hoping that we will see Louisiana kind of bounce back, sort of like they did with the last one. They're they're a strong state. You know, they they kind of know, I feel like, what to do at this point, um, as sad as that sounds. They've been through this before, uh, and hopefully they'll come out of it, obviously with a lot of money and damages, but with hopefully not too many people hurt or injured. Uh, Like I said, I think there's only been – let me check – there's only been uh, four deaths reported, one, three in Louisiana and four in Mississippi. Yeah. So Louisiana only has three currently um, that have been reported. So hopefully we don't see that rise much higher. And you saw Tulane University evacuated their whole campus. Did they really? Yeah, they sent all their kids to hotels in Houston, Texas. Wow. And they put them back on Zoom. Wow. That- Imagine thinking that you're done with Zoom and then you get hit with this. Ida. <laughs> had something to say about that. Yeah, I, I was in the I was in the WRU office, and Max Sacco was like, oh, my God, Tulane is evacuating. I go, what? He goes, yeah, they're already pulling kids out of school, and wow. they're going to Houston. I'm like, wow, imagine that. I could have used a more quiet place to sleep last night. <laughs> yeah, even though we didn't, we didn't get much flooding, thankfully, but the intensity of the wind and rain was very strong. Uh, I feel like the wind made the rain worse because – it was the rain wasn't even that bad. It was it wasn't coming down that hard throughout the night completely, but the wind made it like hit the side of my house so hard because yeah. it was like blowing it into my window. Yeah, man, I huh, man, I wish I could get some hours of sleep back. But <laughs> enough about Ida. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we have a great story on the rise in hate crimes in the United States. So until then, stay tuned. Did you know that you can get closer to the morning wake-up call? Follow us on social media at WRHU News to see the latest from WRHU and to see what guests are appearing the night before the show. Now, let's get back to the morning wake-up call.
Long Island's largest radio news team brings you the Associated Press award-winning program, Newsline. Weekdays at 5.30 p.m. Exclusively on WRHU-FM and WRHU.org Radio Hofstra University. Hofstra's morning wake-up call. Morning wake-up call. And we're back after that quick break. And our next story, Becco, take us through it. So according to new FBI hate crimes data that was released on Monday, hate crimes against black and Asian Americans rose dramatically in New York City during 2020. The uptick began in March but has continued to rise. Hate crimes against Asian Americans rose 400 percent in New York, which is largely being attributed to the coronavirus bias. New Jersey had a 157% increase in Asian American hate crimes. Anti-black hate crimes also began to increase during the Black Lives Matter movement in early summer of 2020. There was a 40% increase nationwide and a 41% increase in New York specifically. And this is the highest hate crime rate according to the FBI since 2008. And I don't think it's controversial to wonder why 2008 was the highest. And it's also... Not controversial to say that America feels like a less tolerant place nowadays. Think about all the xenophobic rhetoric for politicians like Donald Trump calling COVID-19 the Chinese virus or mm-hmm. how the serious racial awakening caused by the death of George Floyd really divided people even further into their sphere of belief when it came to race in the United States. The scary part that I saw is that America might be less tolerant than you even think because civil rights organizations like the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, and Asian Americans advocating justice, they're calling the FBI statistic undercounted because, and I agree with this, a lot of local jurisdictions lack training and resources to properly track and identify hate crimes. So, and and think about the, a lot of the things that aren't specifically, quote-unquote, I'm using air quotes here, hate crimes, mm-hmm. like, um, like casual slurs in public or uh, a less a nonviolent but certainly racist encounter. With a, with a minority, between a, someone and a minority, that is stuff that, that is, that's, that's an immeasurable in many mm-hmm. ways, especially with, as you said, the bias because of the coronavirus, dare I say the corona bias. Oh, nice. Yeah. Little, <laughs> that's a zinger. That, but in all seriousness, that's something that you can't even track. So not only are the hate crimes but t- potentially undercounted, things that are, the things that contain hate are undercounted. Mm-hmm. The fact that it could be higher than 400% in New York, uh, that was the increase of Asian American hate crimes, that is already an astronomical number for it to rise just since just since 2020. That has not been that long at all, and 400%. And I do want to go back to the coronavirus bias. I'm sure that you guys remember in New York City, Asian American people were getting attacked they were getting beaten, pushed down, kicked. They were getting attacked with acid. I don't know if you guys remember that oh, happening. I remember that. Yeah. So you do too. Yeah. That was a huge. That was a huge thing in New York City, right near. I want to say like in March of 2020, like right when the pandemic started, because a lot of people were blaming them for not even may, maybe necessarily directly, but they were seeing them as an extension of the people they were blaming for coronavirus, especially people that were looking to our president at the time, Donald Trump, for a little bit of, uh, you know, information about the virus and a little bit of direction. And he used the term, like Danny mentioned, Chinese virus. Um, And I think a lot of people took that at face value and decided that 
we need someone to blame for this because most of the times during a crisis, people look at some sort of group that they can blame uh, because it makes it easier. And that was the minority that was unfortunately chosen by some people to act as the scapegoat for coronavirus. And that largely attributed to the rise in hate crimes. Yeah. And to think that it's just I hate that whenever there's crisis, there's always finger pointing Mm -hmm. instead of coalescing and uniting to stop the crisis together it's always looking for someone to blame and that really makes me upset because i think that's as you, as you've just articulated that's a lot of, that's a large reason why the hate crimes have gone up because we've just looked for that scapegoat and we've and people have i mean it's not mad it's not bad to be angry about the situation of the world but it is unforgivable to take out that anger in the form of racial bigotry and racial hate on other people. And I, I know that's pretty basic, but that's really the core of what this is. It's people attacking what they perceive as a scapegoat. Freya, mm-hmm. your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like really shocked by this being New York, where New York is mainly made up of immigrants from Asian background, black background, you know, Hispanic background, and so forth. And hearing that New York is literally becoming a big place where, you know, a lot of hate crimes are increasing. It's it's appalling. And as a minority of myself, it kind of makes me terrified. Because, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I'm safe to, like, walk the streets of New York. And I thought I was, you know? Yeah, like, like Freya said, that's a really good point to bring up. New York is a very diverse area. The large majority of our community is made up of non-white people. And now, you know, people are scared to be to live in their own communities, to just exist as a person because of this, you know, whether that be physical abuse, whether that be verbal, uh, really anything like people can be scared to leave their houses. And let's kind of I want to kind of turn to anti-black hate crimes. We've been talking, I feel more so about Asian-American hate crimes. So this kind of increased like i said earlier more so during the black lives matter movement which was a couple of months after march uh, i would say that would be in like june and july was the height of the movement and there were a lot of anti-black hate crimes during that time uh not even specifically in new york there was a 40 percent increase nationwide and a 41 percent increase in new york so it rose almost as high in the entire country as it did in new york itself um so we, this was a more widespread, because of the movement was so big that it gathered a lot of attention and I feel like more people uh, responded to it in a negative way uh, once they heard about the movement and, and that kind of sprung this rise in anti-black hate crimes. I don't think it was more people responded negatively. I think it just exacerbated the divide that people felt yep. because, yeah, I... Yeah, you're nodding along, I see Faria. Like, because what happened was it happened, right? And the people who were maybe in the middle, I feel like, would see. I think there was a big belief where, oh, people see where the wind is blowing and they go to support the movement. You saw record highs in support for um, reevaluating policing, supporting the actual BLM organization, all that stuff. But you also saw more intense backlash from the people who already were on that side of the sand. And that's, I think, where the hate, I think that's really where the hate crimes came from, because it was that segment of the population that grew more hostile towards the re, towards the reawakening of 
racial reckoning. That was really where it came from. And I think obviously some people in the middle gravitated towards that side, but I think it was definitely the people on that side that were the progenerators of that. What do you have to say on that for you? Yeah, I honestly, racism, I'm going to just say this once, it has existed our entire life. And it has existed since the beginning of time from slavery to now. And what I noticed that people are becoming more braver and the hate crimes are just becoming more known and more seen and it's more out there in the public. Like people are not afraid to show their true colors now. And it's, it's surprising, but at the same time, I feel like it also has to do with our presidency at the time as well, because yeah. that exacerbated everything. Yeah, and the flip side of that is a lot of, you see a lot of hate crimes that are documented, not necessarily by law enforcement, but by people on their phones. Exactly, or, social media. Yeah, yeah, videos when it happens or cameras after the fact. So the catch is while people are less afraid to show their true colors as you put beautifully it's also the catch is well you're gonna get exposed mm -hmm. maybe not your name but your actions will be out there and for the whole world to the see. message you send is going to be um denounced by a lot of people online and that's some i think that's a good aspect in that we can see it shows people this hate and vitriol and um, racism and bigotry is still well alive and we need to do something about it. So that's, and I think a lot of the hate crimes that the FBI reported were probably recorded on phones or put online. Yeah, I think um, that people taking videos of these crimes really actually led to this discussion that we're having right now because I, am, I think back to all of the people that unfortunately were killed by the police during the Black Lives Matter movement and all of the videos that I saw coming out of things happening that just really highlighted a lot of issues that we were having uh, with our government system at the time as well. And I think about, you know, the video that really started at all of George Floyd. And if there hadn't been a person there recording it and then posting it and then you know the people of america really calling for justice and pushing that so hard like it, i feel like we as the people really had a real impact on the way that that situation was handled because of how intensely everyone started speaking up on not just social media but you know calling and emailing their local and state government as well and just really pushing for it creating petitions uh uh, donating money to the families as well, like all of that stuff. We had a large, large play in how that was handled. And then it just kind of continued. I feel like a lot of people in America kind of took personal responsibility for making these voices heard and like pushing them to the forefront of the situation. Uh, so I feel like, you know, maybe that that's some that's something slightly good that come out came out of it was people that that did support the movement and uh, did have a common goal, were kind of able to come together and, uh, you know, kind of help the people that need it. And even if their steadfast devotion to the movement was temporary, the effect of that brief moment where it just felt like everybody was on that, was on that train of this needs to change, that was the catalyst or something that I think is not going to go away easily because now it happened. George, we're, we're living in a post-Floyd America. I think that's a pretty safe dividing line in terms of race relations in the United States because that was the moment where 
it was the perfect intersection of something that was just unimaginable, but also the world saw it. Mm-hmm. And that caused what happened. Any other closing thoughts on this, guys? Well, I'm just going to say a lot of people hate on social media. They say it's bad and our generation is like addicted to it. But I feel like if we didn't have social media, we wouldn't be talking about this right now. Social media, even with the anti-Asian American hate crimes, we saw like videos of it happening in streets of New York as well. So it it allows us to have more eyes and ears everywhere and just be more exposures. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So thank you, social media. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's social media is moral or immoral i think it's amoral and that its morality is determined by what we do with it wow very true wow wow so smart danny <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you well um, i wish i could have gotten an interview for today but i have some cool okay apparently so september 2nd is actually a very historic day i have some very cool historic facts on september 2nd so first of all Moving on as our last little variety segment here. The first American bank robbery happened today in 1798 for over $160,000. Guess what? That's over $3.5 million today. Whoa. Imagine getting away with that. <laughs> the perfect Did crime. they get away with it? Yeah. Really? Yep. Wow. I know, right? They're probably living life now. Yeah. They're probably dead now. And, oh, uh, that too. <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah. It happened in 1798. Yeah. But yeah, they probably were living life in in the 1790s. Yeah, early 1800s, <laughs> just having a ball. <laughs> 1945, victory over Japan day. This was the day that Japan surrendered in World War II after the atomic bombs were dropped. And this is the this is the this is really the day that everyone really considered the war to be actually officially over. Keanu Reeves was born today Woo-hoo. in 1964. I love the fact that this made like September 2nd history. But, You're yeah. like first American bank robbery, World War II, and Keanu Reeves' birthday. I mean, he's just an icon now. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I, I mean, he's all over the place. Wait, well. Keanu Reeves versus Adam Driver. I feel like they're so similar. Who do you like more? Reeves. Wow. I feel like that's an unpopular opinion. What? I think he's... People love Adam Driver. Yeah. I, I mean, I like them both. <laughs> I, I gotta rock with... I gotta walk... I gotta rock with Reeves. What can I say? And the last... This is something I had to read. I linked the article for you guys if you wanted to read it. In 1987, a certain New York real estate <laughs> developer named Donald Trump spent almost $100,000 on a full-page New York Times ad, but it's not the New York Times ad you're thinking of. That was two years later. This one was a full-blown critique of U.S. foreign policy. And what I thought was so interesting about it was, A, a full-page ad in New York Times back then when people actually read newspapers definitely makes news. But it's, I think it's especially interesting to read now because a lot of what Trump did politically in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, Really doesn't echo what he became in the 2010s politically, but this certainly is right on the nose in terms of, especially now, what's happening with foreign policy. And I just thought it's a crazy story that is pretty historic, if I, if I do say so myself. $94,801 to run a full-page ad. I mean, he was a businessman, yeah. so he was really doing business. Yeah. Imagine if he ended up running 
in like 1988 as president in the the election yeah after that i because i'm reading the article right now that danny linked and at the end of it they say that um that there was speculation at the time that the ad ran that trump was going to oppose george hw bush for republican nomination as president imagine if he ran in 1988 you know what's crazy he ran in 2000 technically for a little bit but the story of that is really okay. So remember Ross Perot, mm-hmm. ever heard of him? So he was a he was the third party politician in 1992 who actually made the debates. Like he was that popular, and he was he started a party called the Reform Party. But, but the problem was the fact that he couldn't really win elections. The party just became if you weren't in the, one of the two, you were in the Reform Party, and just became a hodgepodge of different views. It wasn't a consistent viewpoint, and Trump ran in 2000 early before he dropped out as the reform party candidate and he wrote a book about his views you know what he said in that book what did he two say? things really stand out to me one he wanted oprah to be his vp oh <laughs> my god and secondly Iconic. He, yeah and he wanted universal health care oh yeah okay. isn't can... that crazy? and I, that book is just i read i read like the first half of it that is crazy to me like that was his view back in the day and that was what the Reform Party was. It was just this random assortment of political ideologies all in one. Obviously, it probably it died in the early 21st century. But still, I think that's crazy. So, you know, maybe not 1988, but 2000 was when he had made that big push. It was and Roger Stone of um, getting his pardon fame. He was the guy that pushed Trump to run as a Reform Party candidate. A lot of interesting political nuggets from the early 2000s, I'm telling wow, you. Wow, you're full of fun facts today, Dan. Yeah, I'm loving it. We should add it into it <laughs> every, every time we're on air. Fun fact time. <laughs> <laughs> we need a little jingle. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. I'm reading this um, this ad that he put in the, in the New York Times. At the bottom of the article, there's like a picture of it, and it's in like typewriter font. Um Wow, this is crazy. The end of the letter, this is what he ends it with. It says, let's not let our great country be laughed at anymore. And I feel like that continued into his presidency. It's, and it's this article is so topical because that's really what he's saying yeah, now. He's, exactly. When he's appearing on, of all places, Fox News. <laughs> See, it, it just it echoes. Yeah, it all, echoes. it all connects. It all connects. History I, repeating itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's probably a very consistent view he's always had and he's having now with the whole afghanistan thing is that's his he's very bullish on foreign policy and it's it apparent here it's apparent now it's and again he's remember when he was talking about ending nato because he wanted other countries to pay their fair share look at the last yeah paragraph. i was about to say he talks about that here as well Make japan saudi arabia and others pay for their protection we extend that's mm-hmm. also very topical i think it's just interesting to look back at people and events and before they happen and then just see oh this was what was ha- this is what was rumbling in the, the past. warning signs yeah or <laughs> not, maybe not the maybe not always the warning signs but like the indications like mm-hmm. the tipping points kind of like aged cheese yeah <laughs> yeah no i literally that's what i think because cheese takes time to like mm-hmm. actually taste better but sometimes it's got it doesn't ferment. taste yeah taste that great so yeah. wait favorite cheese go oh provolone that's my that's my second. My favorite's pepper jack. Oh, that's a good one too. Danny, I love that you have a list for everything. You're I just do. Like ready to go. It's all categorized. You're like provolone, that's my second favorite cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Meg, that's my third favorite uh, Disney movie or whatever. 
My favorite cheese is Gouda or feta cheese. Ooh, that's those a are, good one. Those are really good. Feta cheese is good. Little fun fact. That's my fun fact. <laughs> feta cheese is good. <laughs> oh, man, it's already 8.57, guys. I know. Our first our show. Our first show is, is over. almost over. I had, I had so much fun. I had a blast. Same. I can't wait to be back here every single when, Thir- Thursday. Yes. I almost said Wednesday. I'm so used to doing Wednesday shows. That's what I'm usually on. But we're switching it up this week. Yep. Now you're Thursday, gal. Yep. And it's great to be back in person. Yeah. You know? After all, after doing it on the summer remotely and recording it in advance, it's nice <laughs> to be doing it live. Yeah. How long has it been since you've been in studio? Well, I've done other stuff live so far since I've been back. But this is my first show that I'm producing and talking on so, oh wow yeah. so exciting this yes. is my first time in yes studio, it is so. yeah. let's let's uh give freeha a round of applause <laughs> thank you thank you yeah, awesome report on shang really really great stuff thank well, you I more think, to come yeah well i think that's if that's all we got um you can listen to this episode very shortly on anchor that's where we're going to be putting all of our morning show episodes after they air anchor.fm forward slash morning wake up call i believe is the url we will definitely be promoting that soon so that you can listen to this episode again and again you can hear all of our fun facts and disney princess discussions there but until next thursday this is danny becca and Friha signing off WRHU is underwritten in part by Christopher Cavallero and ARC Excess and Surplus, LLC. ARC Excess and Surplus is a wholesale insurance